I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to the start of Super Bowl week, Bonanza. It's Monday, there's three of us in the studio. It's me, Murph, and then somebody I think I should probably call Mr. Fantasy Football. Now, this guy won the Scott Fishbowl 8, Sam Lane, and he's joined us today. Sam, how are you? Going on, gentlemen. I don't know about Mr. Fantasy Football, though. I'll just well, I'll just take Stompy. You can call me the Stompy. The I think I think you should have that title for a year. I think if you yeah. if you win the Scott Fishbowl, you can be Mr. Fantasy Football. I've I've had multiple people tell me, well, you can do anything you want, or you're the SFB8 champion, so you can basically do anything you want. And I was like, Oof, I don't know if I can get away with that. <laughs> so for our listeners, Sam, do you want to elaborate to what the Scott Fishbowl is, just in case they're not as hardcore as we are yeah so um scott fish is a fantasy football analyst commissioner he does a lot of podcasts but he also does something very fantastic for the community um and he raises uh money for toys for tots and he buys every christmas he has multiple people buy toys and i believe he raised forty four thousand dollars this last season which is the highest he's ever done um and hopefully it keeps growing but 
part of that is to um, put on this tournament and it's kind of grown every season, but this season it was 900 players. And I think you had to pay like $5 to the charity or something like that um, to take part. And then he sends out invitations from a drawing or whatever. We all, multiple divisions, multiple conferences. And basically you play the first 12 weeks regular fantasy football and it goes into a tournament uh, types um, competition. And you get like the top 10 from every conference and then the top 10 from that. And then they compete in the championship or something like that. I don't remember the exact rules, but that's basically it. (laughs) Um, And somehow I came out on top of all 900 people. Nice. That's that's quite an accolade, I suppose. It's just, just incredible to to, yeah. to get there. Talk talk to Sam. And we'll, actually, do you know what? We'll save that because otherwise we're going to burn the material at the top. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess before we we talk about the incredible uh, championship week, because I know that was uh, that's one for the middle of the podcast. Let's um, talk a little bit about about you, the, the the man behind the champion. So, how did you get into football? Talking about fantasy football and your specialisms now, which is Dynasty and IDP. Sure. So I grew up in Colorado, Denver Broncos fan. They've been disappointing for the last two, three seasons, but we'll get back. Um, kind of, I think, I think I was, what was it, 98? So I was about 10 years old when they got their first Super Bowl championship with Elway. Um, that's where I kind of got hooked. And then started playing fantasy football probably when I was around 15 with my dad. And we kind of co-owned, but really I was the – quote the manager of the team um, <laughs> with him and some work friends and then my oldest redraft league and I didn't play I only played redraft until I think the past four seasons my oldest redraft league I believe is over a decade old yeah um, and that's a keeper league and then I have another one that's pretty old too and then like I said I started getting into dynasty a few years back this past season, I dove more headfirst into it, um, joined a bunch of other leagues. And that was coincidentally coincided with me starting to do analysis for uh, the fantasy football franchise at F3 Pod. And I just decided I wanted to join because I like talking about fantasy football. I like talking about football in general. Um, and why not just put my thoughts out there uh, for the world to see? And that was the beginning of last season. So I'm, I'm coming up on a year of analysis or being, being an analyst. So, yeah, that's kind of my short story of fantasy football. That's awesome. I've, I've followed you on Twitter for a while. We follow you as a podcast as well. And um, some of the insights you give are, are really, really inspiring. And we, we rip off a little bit of that, so hope you don't mind. <laughs> no worries. Um, but it's, it's just good how you, how you view the game, especially when looking – um, deeper rather than just your standard analysis of uh, points per position in redraft oh, yeah. leagues and just going beyond this to some of the trends and explaining them. And I think that's what, um, you know, we're trying to do a bit more. Uh, Chris and I are just trying to get away from just the, well, this player is the best player in fantasy football because of what he's done for the last seven years. It's actually trying to understand why and um, can we see an end in sight and, and what trends and trying to pick players for streaming options and they're a little left field, but they work. And 
we definitely hit on some successes this year just by going away from the grain. And, and some of the analysis you give is, is awesome because otherwise you just become like everybody else and, oh. and everyone goes for the same pool. Well, and, and I started or I wrote a, a start sitcom this season. And one of the things I pride myself on is not, I guess, not going with the obvious picks. So I never picked like the top five players at each position because it was like, well, duh, you're going to start them every week. Nor did I pick the bottom five to 10 players because it was like, well, of course you're going to sit those guys. But I tried to stay in the middle there and actual like stay with like the people that they're questioning who if they're going to start. Um, and even and even some of those bottom guys, you're you're starting um, because of their matchup. So and you just see some of these bigger guys go with these obvious takes that it's just like, wh- why would you get paid for that? People are looking for actual advice, and nobody's actually going saying, okay, am I going to start Patrick Mahomes or Case Keenum for that? Nobody's making that decision. So that was always something I I prided my proud myself prided myself on is not going with those obvious takes and actually taking a risk with the stuff that you put out there yeah and you you do that really well um i think that that's what separates you from a lot of content that's how i basically came to find your content was because of being outside the the box and i think as people in the UK are trying to understand the game more and, and get into fantasy football more, don't forget it doesn't have the 20-year, 30-year legacy that it does in the US. It's about trying to find people that are different but give good analysis and back it up. And do you know what? Even if it's wrong, it's the same as playing poker. You might make the right play and it's wrong. You, as long as you can go away thinking, I made the right play, then and you know that that play is going to pay off 70, 75, 80% of the time, that's the key because if you do that, you're going to win more than you lose. And sometimes you'll make the right play and you know what? You just get beat and it's just bad luck. Derek Henry has an absolute monster week 14 and you're out of the playoffs and it's just nothing you can do. Right. Yeah. And, and I think I always argue it's process over product. So for me, I always wrote like two paragraphs for each pick of why I chose them or why I wouldn't or start or sit them. And I I showed my process and then I tried to do a um, transparency thread every week where I was like, okay, so I got these right. I got these wrong, but I always showed my process and it's because you want the better matchups. You want the hot guys. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. I I think the best for instance I have is for anybody that's doing like playoff challenges, starting Marlon Mack against the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans, I believe were like top five against the run. And I was, I was fading Marlon Mack all over the place because I was like, he's going he's gonna to be held under 100 yards, probably um, more or less, and I just don't think he's going to do well. And he goes off for 148 yards and a touchdown. So it's just there's some things that you just cannot predict, unfortunately. We're not, we're not soothsayers here. <laughs> I think that's, that's the point of it is we're human and everybody makes mistakes. But, that, you know if you do that over the course of the season where Marlon Mack, if he was to play the best, you know, a top five run defense, I know it's not possible, but in theory, you're going to be right 10, 11 times out of 16. So, and that's obviously what, what you're looking for. Um, So just before, I guess we, we cover your, your 2018 fantasy seasons um, and uh, the Scott Fishbowl and and table detail. Can you give our listeners some advice if they're listening to this and it's a question we tend to ask most of our guests and they want to think about doing this for a living, start a podcast, write a bit more, 
um what sort of advice like how you got into it and, and sort of basically just uh, some advice from your learnings sure so i i guess i just kind of took a risk i i guess it wasn't that big of a risk i just went with a uh podcast website that was looking for a writer and i just said you know i like talking about this stuff i'll, I'll start so I threw myself out there and really I started talking about what I knew. And my first ever article was on the Denver Broncos. Now it turned out to be wrong because I thought highly of Case Keenum and therefore the wide receivers. But I think that's where you start to get comfortable though, is you start to talk about what you know, and then you branch out. So once you get that first article out there, then you can start talking more about um, other teams, other players. So that's my first bit of his advice is start talking about what you know. So throw yourself out there, start talking about what you know. Um, the other aspect is build a brand. You Nobody knows you. Um, I've had a whirlwind of a season this season in terms of I went from effectively zero followers on Twitter to uh, over 2,300. But I had a lot of things go right for me. So yeah, build build a brand before you start doing anything. I did, I just started doing my own podcast a couple months ago. Mm. But and and the reason it's it's been effective thus far or or it's gaining in popularity is because we had people who knew who I was, people knew who my podcast partner was, and we were able to build that base. I don't think you really want to start just from scratch unless like it's with like Things like the, the, the football, um, oh my God, the fantasy footballers don't happen. That's, that's nonsense. They basically started as a podcast for their own league and it just built over time. So that's my biggest thing is take opportunities where you can, but don't put too much on your plate too soon. Build a, build a base. Um, and finally, I think – just grind. I, I think most of us are out here just doing this because we love it. And I don't know if you've, you, if you've been following me over the year, I've been doing everything. And then some, I've been appearing on every podcast I can and, and marketing myself and writing. I think I've written for like five different sites this year. And I put probably 20 to 30 hours outside of work on this, but I love it. So it's just keep grinding, keep pushing. None of us are getting paid for it, or most of us aren't getting paid for this. So just keep pushing yourself. It's, it's supposed to be fun. And, 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 and also market yourself a little bit. Um, put yourself out there. Ask if anybody's looking for podcast guests. Just DM people. Be like, I, I'd love to come on your podcast. I write for this site. I'd love to talk about fantasy football with you. And I think that's my biggest thing is I've been able to market myself pretty well. Um, so yeah, those are my bits of advice. Yeah, I think it's great. Solid. I think it's like Sam said, what you put in is what you get out. And if you're willing to put yourself out there and invest hard in it, because you're not going to get paid. And Sam, like Sam said, again, we, nobody is really getting paid in this business, but we do it because we love it. You know, Murph and I record in, in my mother's garage, which is now a studio because we've invested a bit of time and money in it, but that's because it's our hobby and, you know, if, you, if you're a surfer, you invest in a good surfboard or if you're, I don't know, if you're into battle reenactment, you you go out and buy the, the uniform. So it's like any hobby. If you invest a bit of time and money and the more time you invest in it, the better you become. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. And I think that's the advice all of us would share is and fantasy football is a, and just football in general 
uh, is an absolutely brilliant place just to get involved because the community is so brilliant. I mean, I messaged Sam. I said, we'd love to have you on, talk about it. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's find out, let's make it work. And that's what, that's what we love is that the more people we're speaking to and the more people we get on this show, we're not getting them because we're particularly special. I mean, we work hard, but it's because we ask the question. We just say, hey, we really want you on to share your experience. And as a result, we get more listeners, more fans, and, and you probably find the same, Sam. Oh, yeah. I, and, and that's the biggest thing is like we are a community. And anybody who is trying to make it in this community, I'm more than willing to follow. I'm more than willing to come on because that tells me you're trying to do something that's hard. I mean, we, like I said, we don't get paid at all. I, I've, I've yet to get paid for anything I do, but it's just for the love of the hobby. I mean, this is my favorite hobby and it's turned into this big thing for me. And anybody who wants to talk about football, I'm more than willing to talk about football. I'm always making myself open for followers. I'm always making myself open for other podcasts, other websites, because I, this community has been phenomenal for me. And I, I just, I think it's kind of one of those pay it forward things. hundred percent. So let's talk fantasy football, Sam. Obviously we know you won the Scott Fishbowl. You talk a little bit more about that, but otherwise how did your season go except winning the biggest competition in fantasy? Oh, pretty good. Uh, four championships, including the Scott Fishbowl. So, nice. and, a, and a third place finish. So I had a, I had a pretty good season. Um, I'd like to is that Sam. Sorry. Huh? How many leagues was that? I don't know. There was best ball leagues in there. I I can't remember. Probably, I would say 12, which isn't bad. I mean, 33% rate. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that was, I, I'd like to attribute that to being an analyst and actually doing dip, deep dives into stuff. But, I, I mean, let's be real. 75% of this is luck. Injuries, sure. et cetera, being, being lucky in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I made, I think I made 56% of my playoffs and then lost in all but two of the semifinals. So it was one of those weeks where it didn't, the dice did not roll my way, but yeah. it was always next year. And the thing is, you just, you can't control what the players do or don't do. You can, you can, like we said, the process is a huge thing, but guess what? You don't control the outcome. This is how it goes sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, well, yeah. <laughs> Any insights into the season? What did you think was massively different this year to seasons gone? I think a lot of it was running backs stayed generally healthy. Um, the top five dynasty running backs right now, so Saquon, Gurley, Kamara, um, Christian McCaffrey, and, and Zeke, all stayed healthy this season, basically. I mean, Gurley at the end of the season might have screwed some people over, but in general, all of them stayed healthy. And I think that was a big thing. Because you always hear about um, zero wide receiver versus zero running back, whatever, for their draft, uh, for drafting. But um, zero wide receiver or zero running back has its merits because more than any position, maybe except for maybe tight end, running backs get injured more often than not. So you pick those later round guys or those backup guys and they will um, usually see a significant playing time. It's just figuring out which one is which, but those top running backs this season generally stayed healthy. And I think that was huge this, this year. And I, that's why I think zero 
running back was not a good strategy this season. I'm not saying it's not a good strategy overall, but just this season it did not work out. And I think that was a big thing this season was those running backs stayed healthy. And then moving on, I guess, on the same sort of plane, what's likely to change for 2019? Where do you see fantasy shifting to next year? Um, and, I, and I guess this goes on top of uh, last year was the scoring was through the roof um, and the quarterbacks. I mean, there was probably 20 startable quarterbacks this season. Um, and I think that's just going to keep going forward. And you're going to see more quarterbacks be make a significant jump. Those second-year quarterbacks specifically, so like Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, um, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Josh Allen, I think all make a gigantic leap. And I think you're going to see scoring jump up again. And it's just the way that the NFL is going is you're going to a much more pass-happy league. You're getting like slot receivers involved. You're getting a lot of pass-catching running backs. Um, and I think that's probably where you need to start setting your sights on is slot receivers and pass-catching running backs is because they're used so much nowadays. Look at Christian McCaffrey, um, Alvin Kamara. James White had a phenomenal year. Duke Johnson the year before that had a phenomenal year. Those pass-catching running backs are – are, are finishing in the top 12 running backs. Um, so I think that's the trend that you need to look at is those pass catching running backs and then the slot receivers are getting much more involved. And that's where you're seeing a shift in, in the NFL in the passing game. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what is your favorite format of fantasy football to play? If you could only play one now for the rest of all time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Superflex dynasty. Oh, I think that seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of people's preference. Uh, the super flex. I think that's one that I, I'll be honest. I don't have too much experience in. I've done it once. Uh, you, you played one this year, didn't you, um, Chris? So I think we need to definitely do a listener league one because, from what everyone tells me, it's their absolute favorite format. It's it's fun. Actually, I'll add super flex tight end premium dynasty. So, so how do you premium a tight end? So usually, I mean, kind of standard this, these days is one point PPR. Um, tight ends get one point five PPR. The Scott Fishbowl's like that, isn't it? The uh, tight ends are premium. Yeah. Well, so he kind of shifts the um, strat or the the settings around a little bit every every year. Um, but this year it was that it was um, Superflex tight end premium, and and it's fun because it the thing is it evens out all of the positions. So quarterbacks are much more valuable. Um, tight ends are much more valuable. So in, in like regular PPR um, fantasy football, you just – quarterbacks are just like the, – the difference between number one and number 24 is just not that significant compared to one versus 24 in terms of running backs and, and wide receivers. And then we saw tight ends, like unless you have the first three or four, like their tight ends are kind of a dime a dozen. Um, but – when you have a tight end premium like that, when you have super flex, it definitely even it brings more importance towards the quarterbacks and the tight ends and levels the positions a little bit. Awesome. We have to I try think, that out. Yeah. The thing I found with one super flex league I was in, it, I think it was 12 team super flex and I had number one pick overall and I picked Lev Bell. Should have picked Gurley, but that's neither here nor there. And then in, in the preceding first and second round, pretty much everybody went quarterback, quarterback. So when it got back to me at the end of the second, there was nobody left. Yep. I started the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Allen. Oof. Yeah. 
and no Lev Bell. <laughs> That's a little didn't, rough. Do, didn't fare too well in that one. Yeah, the the draft strategy is a lot different in Superflex and two QB for that matter. Mm, definitely. It just um, it's a good time to talk about the the final of the Scott Fish Bowl. I was following this eagerly on on Twitter. Um, talk, talk the listeners through because it was a real, real squeaker that I think every one of our listeners can uh, relate to in their own leagues. Oh, yeah. So um, I was, I think, ninth out of 10 uh, entering Sunday night and Monday. And unfortunately, <laughs> here's the kicker. We were the Denver Broncos were actually on Monday night football. So I needed the Denver Broncos to do well for me to win this thing. Um, so it came down to like the final minutes of the game and I was down by, I think 0.28 points. Oh no, no, sorry. I was down by, I think a little over one. No, it was like 0.58. Sorry. Um, and then I thought I needed one catch from Dejon Hamilton to seal it. He got the catch, but then I looked and I had forgotten the scoring settings. So the scoring settings were actually 0.5 PPR instead of one PPR. So I was down by like 0.28 points at the end. And the game finished. I was like, I lost. About an hour or two after the game finished, my the score corrected, and I was actually up by like 0.3 points. So I don't know necessarily what happened, but the guy I was playing um, had declared himself winner, and I had basically declared myself loser. And then it corrected, and I was like, oh. And then so we had to wait for – uh, we had to wait for stat corrections on Thursday for it for it to even be declared who won or lost. So that was it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions on Monday through Thursday. Yeah, I bet that's um, real tight considering you had to wait on a stat correction. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I you know, I've never ended up on the right side of that. Three. Oh, here we go. In here the last three years, I've lost a game on the stat correction. Yep. <laughs> It's not on. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm never allowing stat corrections to enter my life again. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to lose another game that way. It's just not on. You know, the result's done. It's it's like it's, the stat correction to me now is like someone in the NFL office, probably Roger Goodell, has decided that they're going to play the end of the Saints-Rams game over again from the point of the foul. But it's three, four days or a week after the fact. Like, it's pointless. <laughs> The game's right. done. Yeah. You, you're on the end of a bad call. That is that is the game. Like it couldn't get more real than that. Like to have a stat correction decide things is wrong in my book. You're preaching to the wrong people. Sam just won the Scott Fishbowl on a stat correction. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I don't mean to take another gloss off. <laughs> so let's move on before Murph completely derails the podcast. Sam, your specialties are Dynasty and IDP. Can you explain sort of those league types to our newer fantasy football listeners? Sure. Um, Dynasty, so you you do a startup draft. You draft through all of the NFL. Um, And I think you have like 25-plus roster spots. So you like draft everybody, including rookies. Um, And you just keep that draft or that roster – sorry, you keep that roster moving forward. and then. Um, you make trades, um, but you're basically your roster just moves from year to year. So it's like this one big keeper league for those who play keeper. Um, and then every year you draft rookies and, re- and replace some of the players that you may have lost. And it's basically just like the 
word dynasty, you just try and build a dynasty, you try and win year after year by keeping some of the, your main players, um, moving some other players around just to build the best team every year. So you don't actually redraft your team every season. And then um, IDP is basically just looking at the other side of the ball, uh, looking at um, linebackers, defensive linemen, defensive backs. It can be broken down in defensive tackle, defensive end, safety, cornerback. But basically you're just doing the same thing you would do on the offensive side of the ball is, is drafting the best players that you can to build the best team. And you're looking at like things like tackles, sacks, interceptions, passes defended, tackles for loss. Um, and those just accumulate. Um, and I mean, that obviously pretty self-explanatory. It's it, <laughs> first off IDP stands for individual defensive player. So you're not just drafting a defense like most, um, most, I guess, redraft leagues. And then uh, pretty easy from there on drafting the best players at each position. Uh, yeah. Decent explanations. I've not done an IDP. I'm looking to do my first one this year. So I'm quite excited about that. So I'll be tapping you up for information. <laughs> Sounds good, man. I listen, I, I like IDP a lot because it helps me understand both sides of the ball. You have to understand what linebackers do or what middle linebackers do, what outside linebackers do. What is the difference between a defensive end and an outside linebacker? Um, and then you have to understand how defensive schemes work. So it just helps me understand the entire game of football, which I think is awesome because I, I love the game of football. Couldn't agree more. So for players, for people that are potentially thinking about this uh, and thinking this sounds pretty cool, I want to start one of these leagues, what do you think the most challenging aspect is when sort of starting these up uh, for, you know, for people who perhaps have never played in, in the, either of these types of leagues before? I think the one the hardest part for me when I started dynasty was knowing the rookies. Cause you just don't, and especially in redraft, you just don't really pay attention on them unless they're like super high profile rookies like Saquon Barkley. You just don't pay attention. And rookies are a huge part of dynasty fantasy football. So you have to tap into a different uh, knowledge altogether and and I'm not like I'm not good at well I, I shouldn't say I'm not good I I'm <laughs> less versed in Debbie, so I don't look too much at the college game. But if you really want to become an a good all around dynasty fantasy football player, you need to understand what's going on in college as well, and and how that translates into the NFL. So that's one of the the more difficult um, aspects of dynasty, as well as valuing players. Because when you trade, you can start trading for draft picks and player to player, and you have to understand the value of all of these players compared to rookies compared to draft picks. And I think that's one of the biggest ones that I've heard, not people complain, but people say is it's, it's hard to learn how to value these players. Um, and, that, and that goes into the startup drafts as well, is how do you value these players? Like, where should these players be going? Because the way you uh, value dynasty players is age is a big factor. You want to keep these guys as long as possible. So guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's going to be 23 next season, but he's had two top 24 wide receiver seasons. To me, he's a top five wide receiver and probably a top 12 pick. 
but you probably wouldn't be seeing that in redraft. He'd probably be a second rounder because you have guys like Julio, you have guys like Antonio Brown um, who are a little bit older, but they have that, that um, production under their belt. And you only have to worry about one season in redraft, whereas you have to worry about successive seasons, multiple seasons and dynasty. So values are definitely different in dynasty versus redraft. Yeah, for sure. So I think I might have. What's the best way to analyze rookie talent if you're, if you're new to analyzing rookies in dynasty? Like what, what do you think sort of a couple of things to look for in a rookie coming into the NFL is? Sure. So I, I think I'm more on the analytics side of things. So there's two ways to do this. It's really looking at data and it's looking or it's looking at film. I'm not a film person. I just don't have the time to watch film, but I can look at statistics all day. And one of the best guys that I know out there, Peter Howard has been phenomenal at breaking down rookies. Um, And he looks at things like outbreak age, outbreak percentage, what their production in college was, who they're, who they were, who they were playing. Um, So the for instance here is like AJ Brown this past, two seasons so he's the uh he's a uh, wide receiver out of Ole Miss has absolutely dominated the SEC the last two seasons well the SEC is pretty well known to be a defensive type conference Mm -hmm. in college but to be able to put up like 1200 plus yards in in the last two seasons against NFL talent including Alabama Mm -hmm. you you know that he's probably going to translate to the NFL pretty well because he's played NFL type talent now he Obviously, not everybody on the field is NFL-type talent, but he's played against very, very good um, defenders. So it's guys like that. So you have to look at that, and then breakout age and stuff like that tells you how good a player is at at how at what age. So younger breakout ages usually translate to higher um, potential or better potential in the NFL and 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 um, better hit rates in the NFL. And then, like, for running backs, I think it's kind of the same where what kind of production do they have in college? Do they have the body type to play in the NFL is a big one. Um, and, where, and, and then potential landing spot as well is another one is, well, a guy can be great. So I, I guess the, the best example I have is um, uh, Kelly from Tennessee last season, John Kelly from Tennessee. A lot of people were high on him. He was a great, um, great player. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a great, he was a great um, player in college. He showed a lot of potential, but he landed behind Todd Gurley, who's only 24, and he's one of the best running backs in the game. And he was only taken in the sixth round. That's another thing that you have to look at as well. But despite how good you are, if you land in a bad situation, you're just not gonna. I, I you're not gonna have the opportunity to succeed. And so, like uh, another example, Alvin Kamara didn't have a great profile. He wasn't a great runner in college, but he landed in a perfect situation in New Orleans where they use a satellite back plus and Kamar was able to use his patch catching ability. And then he also learned some stuff about running, running the ball, but he landed in a perfect situation. And he took advantage. So there's just so many things to look at. So you have to look at um, production, age production, who they're playing in college, what they look like on the field. Do they have that, that NFL caliber um, skill set, uh, their landing spot, their uh, draft um, 
their draft spot. So if they're they're taken in the second versus like the fifth, the the guy that's taken in the second is probably going to get more chances to succeed versus the guy that's taken in the fifth. So that's just that's a brief overview of what you need to be looking at. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. I know there's so much. It's not really giving like a straight answer, but I think that, you know, to summarize all that, it's basically do your homework, follow the best people you can on Twitter, follow Sam, for example, and um, just get get a full understanding of, of, of what is out there. Stats, I'm very similar to you, Sam. I don't have time to watch tons of film. I watch tiny bits. I do watch SEC football. Um, so you know when i see an sec guy i i have a better understanding of them than perhaps um someone that's played in the big 10 or the pac 12 um because that that's the kind of football i do watch uh, more often than not from a personal preference and standpoint of right. you know where i went to school and etc so that to me means a lot so i think um it, it it's interesting i think definitely people that want to get into this need to it is a lot more research intensive than intensive than just reading adam rank's top 100 players that can be going to fantasy football and be done with that no offense to adam he, he puts out great advice but it's a different ball game to, to redraft so moving on to strategy for idp dynasty uh for 2019 who are your sort of early look rookie players you're uh, considering to take in in 2019 so the Initial analysis has been that this is a wide receiver heavy class and a little bit lower in terms of, or lighter, I guess, in terms of uh, running backs and quarterbacks, especially now that we've seen some guys go back to school. Um, So rookie or rookie wide receivers are probably going early. Nikhil Harry is probably looking like your first overall pick. I like AJ Brown at number two. But honestly, I hate taking rookie wide receivers because generally they don't have an impact in the first year at the very least, probably in the first couple of years. Tyler Boyd's the best example of that. He broke out in a year three. Not everybody's Juju Smith-Schuster. So I always I, – I try to avoid rookie wide receivers and I try to buy wide receivers as they get older. Um, so guys like I would be buying this next year are like um, – Cortland Sutton, who didn't have a great season last season, but he's going to be the wide receiver one for the Denver Broncos moving forward. Um, Beyond the point. So, and I'm actually, I'm higher on some of these running backs than most are. And I think there's a shift going on right now where people are starting to sour a little bit on some of these wide receivers, but, uh, and, and some of the running backs are climbing a little bit, um, so there's some there's some running backs I really like Benny Snell Jr. out of uh, Kentucky, I, I really like he's been he's basically had uh, three productive seasons at Kentucky, um, and I always like production and obviously Kentucky I think they're in the ACC SEC can't I can never Kentucky remember. are in the SEC okay so he did it against SEC competition so he's been I mean I think he's got over a thousand yards rushing in all all three seasons. And he's built like a bowling ball. So he's, he's going to be able to run down the middle uh, um, in between the guards. Um, and then he's a, he's a great player. He oh, destroyed yeah. the Gators this year. I, I watched that game. Yep. He was, he was phenomenal. Uh, another one I like is Travion Williams. He, uh, he is Texas A&M running back for Texas A&M. And I watched him and I haven't, I, he's a little bit smaller. Um, and I haven't watched a ton on him, but the game I watched was the bowl game against NC state. And he broke – first off, he broke the Texas A&M 
rushing um, career rushing record, or is it seasonal? I can't remember if it was seasonal or career, regardless. And he destroyed North Carolina State. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited on him. Daryl Henderson's another one that I really like, too. So there's actually some decent running backs in this class. Unfortunately, we're, tr- we're trying to compare him to like the 2017, 2018, and 2020 classes, which are stacked and deep. But there's some decent guys that are going to have a role in the NFL sooner rather than later that I like. So I'm, if anything, I'm trying to sell my 2019 picks because they're mostly wide receiver heavy um, and going into the 2020 class. But uh, there's a couple of wide receivers I do like, and there's a couple of running backs I do like this season as well. So flip the coin over. Who are you, in 20, have you got anybody that you played this year that you should try and ship out to, to make way for anybody in 2019? I don't know highs for me or, or, or sell high ish. Um, I, I actually wrote an article for FF statistics um, and it was looking at just three guys that I don't like this season. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like this season, but I think you should sell um, one of them being Antonio Brown. The momentum is moving faster and faster or, or more and more towards him being traded though. I did see an article saying they want to work things out. But there seems to be some drama surrounding Antonio Brown and and Big Ben. Um, There's some rumors about being traded. And he's 30. So he's kind of on the – starting to go on the downhill side of his career. And at some point, he's going to fall off. And it's probably better to sell sooner rather than later because you can get a decent haul for Antonio Brown right now. So I think he's kind of a sell high at this point for me. Um. Another one is Adam Thielen. There was talk last season of him being the wide receiver one in Dynasty, which was absolutely bananas to me. And it was after eight straight games of 100 yards receiving or more. And everybody was trying to make this excuse. Oh, he's only 28. Um, and he has a few, good, a, a few more good years. So he should be the wide receiver one. And then he fell off the planet in the second half. And it's largely because they started to go towards running the ball more. Dalvin cook got healthy and that's what a Kirk cousins led team needs to be. It needs to run the ball a decent amount. It needs to be very, it needs to be even play calling, but but, uh, between the run and the pass. And I think next year you're going to see the same thing where Adam Thielen will get his, but he's definitely not going to be the wide receiver. He was in the first half of 2018. So I think he's a sell high too. And then the third one uh, is Tevin Coleman. Now, this one's a little different. I'm not selling him right now. I'm selling him post-free agency when he signs somewhere because if he signs somewhere where it seems like he might be the primary back, you're going to see a jump in value, much like Jarek McKinnon. And I'm not saying you're going to see that big of a jump, but let's just say he's going for like a mid-second round uh, rookie pick this year. If he is signs with like a place like Houston where he – seemingly could be the lead back there and you see a value jump into like the late first round rookie pick value I'm selling all the, uh, all the way because he looked he got the chance to basically be the primary back for the Atlanta Falcons this season didn't look good did not look good so I think that hurt him a little bit hurt his value a little bit and so I'm trying to see if he recoups that value and then I'm selling because I he's while, while you need players like him who who can finish as an RB2 for their career if you can get higher value than and than what he can produce, then I'm selling the the whole way. Cool. Yeah. And then, have you got any buy lows? Quick, quick buy lows next year that you think are going to be undervalued? Um, 
Devontae Freeman, speaking of Atlanta Falcons running backs, Devontae Freeman, he's had his season off basically. He's, he's getting his knee right. When he's healthy he, and he gets 200-plus carries, he's great. He's a, he's a top 10, top 12 running back. So banking, I mean, he's probably – you can probably get him for like a late first-round value right now, late for a rookie value. And I could see him putting up another uh, season of RB1 numbers. And I think that's – I mean, I, I'm willing, especially in this class, I'm willing to sell my first-round pick, late first-round pick, for a chance that Devontae Freeman gives me – let's just even say it's top 18 season. If I can get a top 18 season out of him, I feel great. Um, Albert Wilson is another one. Devonta, uh, Devontae Parker uh, and uh, is more than likely going to be cut, but we'll, we'll see what happens with this new coach. Um, and then Danny uh, Amendola can be cut for 0% cap or zero cap, dead cap. Um, so, and Albert Wilson – is just an efficient wide receiver. He was, especially last season, he's more of a home runner hitter than anything, but he was on pace for his best season ever. And I think wide wide receiver three finished, but you were getting him at like wide receiver six numbers or, or wide receiver six uh, draft stock. So if I'm, I'm paying a second to get Albert Wilson, because if he's starting in the slot for that team, I feel very good about his prospects next season. Cool, there's some good names in there to, to think about and look at. So, uh, Oh, I, I, hold on. I, I'd be remiss if I did not mention this name, Tyrell Williams as well. He's a free agent this offseason. He's, he's shown that he can be a wide receiver one or, or take the load of a wide receiver one. When Keenan Allen went down in 2016, he finished with over 1,000 uh, yards and seven touchdowns. And if he signs with, in a place like, let's say, Indianapolis – as the wide receiver too there, I can see his draft stock or his, his, his value taking a bump as well. Cool. I think that's a, an interesting list of players because a lot of those would be players that people have never picked up or wouldn't even consider playing. So Ooh. that's why I quite like this. So that's pretty awesome. What about for the 2019 rookies coming in or uh, potentially people that just have not been picked up in, in any dynasty leagues? Uh, is there people that you're fading on that you'll avoid at this stage, any cost for whatever reason? Um, right now, no. Like I said, we have those Adam Thielen, um, Antonio Brown types. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate to say this, but Philip Lindsay is kind of one that I'm wary of. And it's because it's a new coaching staff. He was an undrafted free agent. As good as he was, he was an undrafted free agent. So this coaching staff, the organization doesn't have any um, stock in him. And this new coaching staff doesn't feel any loyalty to him. So there's an issue there. And then he's got this wrist injury, which hopefully he'll be back for OTAs. But look what happened to David Johnson. Um, and he missed an entire season because of a wrist injury. So – Philip Lindsay is one. I don't know if I'm fading necessarily. I'm just very wary of him because of that injury and because of a, a shifting situation. And they put a third round draft stock into um, Royce Freeman. So that's one that it's hard for me to say, cause I'm a Denver Broncos fan, but that's one that I'm, I'm watching closely because I don't necessarily know how that's going to, how that's going to shake out. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I I keep thinking similar things. So I just took over 
uh, an absolute dumpster fire of a, of a dynasty team that had Philip Lindsay. And one of the first pieces of business I did was to get Freeman. Um, so that, that way, at least I'm going to have the RB1 there, regardless of who it is. I'm quite yeah. happy to burn the roster spot, uh, see how it plays out in camp, uh, see what happens in preseason and even see what happens in the early part of the season so that I've got that insurance policy there. So if uh, Lindsay doesn't appear to be the guy, then I can pivot with Freeman and no one. Um, Another one, James White. I just don't think that situation – he basically had a perfect situation happen this season where Sonny Michelle was out, Rex Burkhead was out, and he was basically the only running back, and he just was receiving – tons of targets and I just do not see that happening again it's much like what happened with Duke Johnson in 2017 and then in 2018 you saw him fade down the um or saw him struggle this season as well um one more I'm just I'm not trusting Le'Veon Bell he's been when he's been healthy he's been basically running to the ground he's been off for a season I just saw another article that said he might take another season off just to focus on his rap career which is bananas but (laughs) (laughs) he was in a he was in a perfect situation with Pittsburgh where they had a great offensive line obviously with Mike Munchak there the probably arguably the best offensive line coach in the game um great offensive line uh great offensive system with like Todd Haley there uh and I don't know if you'll you'll ever see him hit that top five again. I could see a couple more seasons of top twelve if he plays, but I just don't know if I can ever trust him to be top five again. So I'm fading him a little bit this season as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, uh, I don't know if I can do it on the Broncos running back. Some just because I'm, I'm orange and yeah, I it, I like I said I I think Lindsay showed enough that it's like his job to lose, but there's just a, a few question marks that are sticking in my mind that I'm like, this could turn sour for Lindsay owners um, fairly quickly. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. We talked about it on the full 10 yards podcast in our Denver review that Sam and I were on as well. So do you, talking of, of rookies, Sam, do you have any in 2019 that you are not going to take? Like people you, you think others will be hot on, but you're not? Well, one is DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have been putting him as the wide receiver one. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say a lot. Some people have mentioned him as wide receiver one in this class. I can't do it. He just does not have the production profile in college um, that I would need to see to for him to be the wide receiver one or even the top three wide receiver. Like, I think he's going. he should go in the late first round rookie draft um just because i just i don't know what he is he's been injured multiple times and he just doesn't have that the production profile so i'll i'll take the loss on that one before i i take before i actually draft him the other one that scares me is rodney anderson uh running back out of oklahoma he's had three season injuries i think one was one was neck one might have been concussion and then the other was the the latest one was ACL ended his season he came in with arguably the best talent in in the in college and he could be the running back one for all I know um out of this class but I just can't take an injury prone player like that and trust it 
Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Ethan said exactly the same thing when we had him on uh, this week. So uh, he, those are the two players he mentioned and for the, for the same reason. So uh, it makes sense that those are players worth, you know, avoiding or at least seeing what happens before right. you make any firm decision. Well, and I think it's just one of those things like you have to feel comfortable with taking the loss on those. Those guys absolutely could explode in the NFL for all I know. I would rather not take that chance. I'd rather take the Nikhil Harry's, the David Montgomery's, the Daryl Henderson's that have the production profile and are not injury prone like those two have been. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Um, so it's uh, the start of our Super Bowl week here on the on the podcast and uh, we're super excited to have you involved. Um, just a quick one because I'm obviously <coughs> time in terms of what you think the key uh, the key to each team's uh, victory uh, can be for the Patriots and the Rams in this game? The Patriots, obviously, it's got to be controlling the ball. We know the Rams can score with the best. I think they were second in the league in scoring this season. And they need to keep the ball out of the Rams or out of Jared Goff's hands and out of really Sean McVay's hands. So you know they're going to lean on the run. They've been doing it the last two seasons or not two seasons, but the last two games where Sony Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead were all very heavily involved. And then the Rams need to be able to stop the run. They've definitely had their lapses in terms of stopping the run this season. They need to stop the run. If they can stop the run and force Brady to throw and, and keep up with the Rams offense, I think they'll, they'll be a lot better off. Um, because I just – the Patriots are good at taking away, like, a key player and, and forcing um, the offense to go through somebody else. But the Rams have so many good players. They can go through Robert Woods. They can go through Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, now C.J. Anderson. And then uh, Reynolds um, has been good at, towards the end of the season as well. So they have so many weapons that I think the only way the Patriots really win – is to, is time of possession. If they can win the time of possession game, the Patriots, I think, can win this game. And they and they've done it. I mean, they did it last week with the with the Chiefs. So they need to run the ball, and then the Rams need to stop the run. Oh, I like that. I like that. Right, Sam. The next four are going to be quick fire, single word answers as fast as you can. No thinking about it, and we'll get the true prospect of who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Right. Which team deserves to win it more? See, the, I'm going to say the Rams. <laughs> I'm going to say Rams, but I'm biased against the Patriots. So. Yeah. Oh, we had this conversation on last week's Show Me a Murph, and I said I didn't mind who wins because if, if the Patriots win, then the legacy continues. And if the Rams win it, McVay wins one early in his career. So Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> so with that with that being said will this be the last time we see tom brady in a super bowl no because he's stubborn and thinks he can play until he's 80 or whatever and i guess that goes for bill belichick then as well <laughs> we'll see about that one after the rumors preseason we'll see i i don't think so i i think him and brady will go out together right well, you've just covered the who you're personally rooting for, and that's the Rams because you hate yep. the Patriots. Oh, God, hate and them. then uh, what's the score going to be? 28-24 Rams. Whoa. Fire. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam. So, look, we're just um, 
we'll wrap up now. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? Uh, shout out your podcast. It's brilliant. Uh, I absolutely love it for dynasty players to get a, a better understanding of other teams and thinking about ideas to improve their own uh, way. You write absolutely everything. So this is going to be the longest part of this podcast. <laughs> so I just joined FF statistics doing, I'm trying to help build the dynasty part of the site there. So you can find my stuff there. Um, we'll be doing the draft kit this off season as well. Um, so you'll find some of my writing in there. Uh, I write for and edit for uh, the fantasy football franchise. That's at F3 pod. I write and edit for the IDP guys at IDP guys. And that's at idpguys.org. And then we just started a podcast, me and Eitan Mosia. You can find him at FF underscore Wonderkid. And it's called The Dynasty Diagnostic. You can find us on Twitter at Dino, that's D-Y-N-O, Diagnostic. And what we do is we, we're, basically, we're obviously dynasty-centric, so we, we take um, players' rosters and we break them down and what kind of moves they can make to make their rosters better and where they need to improve their rosters um, in terms of each position group. Um, and then we also have some guests come on or we will, we just started having guests come on to break down their rosters in person um, with those people able to either defend themselves or agree with us or disagree with us. And then we also break down some other things that affect um, dynasty fantasy football as well. So again, that's at Dino diagnostic. Um, and yeah, just keep sending us your rosters with, uh, so we need the roster draft picks and scoring settings and and we'll uh, hopefully get to yours and, and help you um, build better rosters and then I, I'm just gonna do a quick shout out because I just started a baseball podcast as well I know you guys over there don't really care about baseball all that much but um, oh we've got it coming over here Sam do you end of June we've got the Yankees oh, and right. the Red Sox oh, I'm there right. I love it um, so we just I just started a, a fantasy baseball podcast that's at turn two pod and um, we'll have our – we just had our first episode. It was just kind of a breakdown of what we'll be talking about. And we'll have our first true episode of analysis recording Monday coming out Tuesday. Amazing. That's pretty cool. There's a lot to go and do there, guys. So give it a listen again and, and follow everything Sam just said. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. Well, Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for kicking off Super Bowl week with our Monday show. hope you can come back on after draft season and we can chat some more. Absolutely. This was fun, guys. Oh, mate, we've loved it. Thanks very much for coming on. We'll stay in touch. And uh, you never know, I've, with this dynasty team I've just taken over, I might send it to you with the job. No, no, the no, 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 can't do hey, it. Listen, we, we, need, we need those bad ones so we can really get, get involved and be like, okay, you need to do this, 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 and this. See, you heard him. He needs it. He needs it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Fair enough. Yours is pretty terrible, so you can send it to Sam. Right. Rush Nation, that's us for Monday. Sam, I will speak to you real soon. Murph, I will see you tomorrow. But until then, guys, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. 
undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.